Would you now, church family, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 in preparation for the message here. Recently, on a Monday, on a day off, I took my four-year-old grandson, Yanni, to Canada's Wonderland. It was at a time when I was driving my previous vehicle, and my daughter, Amy, did not think my previous car was safe because it made some noises. I, I had had my mechanic shop, Shepherd Automotive, by the way, excellent people work there, excellent, honest brothers do a great job. They didn't tell me to say that, by the way, but that's the simple truth. I had taken that car to the mechanic shop, and it was safe. They declared it was safe. That was fine, Pastor Nick, but uh, you know how sometimes you folks are when you hear a few noises. Uh, from your car, you wonder if it's falling apart, right? And that's kind of what my daughter thought, I suppose. But because of my daughter's lack of confidence in my vehicle, she insisted that I drive her car to Canada's Wonderland and not my car, which was fine. So as my grandson and I were driving out to Wonderland, I noticed that the gas tank was just a little past a quarter tank full. There was plenty of gas to go to Wonderland and back, but that's approximately you know, where the tank stood. And I thought, I thought it would be nice for me, as I'm sure you fathers and mothers have done this for your kids as well, I thought it would be nice for me to fill up the gas tank in my daughter's car after our visit to Wonderland. So I, I, said, I said to my four-year-old grandson, Yanni, I said, Yanni, when, uh, when we go home, sweetheart, after Wonderland today, can you please remind me, remind me to put gas in your mommy's car? I really wanted to fill up her car with gas, but I was concerned that I might forget. And so I was simply asking for little Yanni's assistance and said, please remind me to put gas in your mom's car. Well, Yanni's response totally surprised me. Uh, it never occurred to me that he would say what he said. Yanni said, Papa, if you don't put gas in my mommy's car, is my mommy going to be upset with you? <laughs> is mommy going to be upset with you? Of course, I immediately said, no, 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 sweetheart, no. Your mommy is not going to be upset with me. Um, Papa just wants to be nice to your mom. And that's the only reason I want to fill up your mom's car with gas. Well, there was nothing wrong, of course, with what I said to my grandson. And there was nothing wrong with what he said to me, right? His response, his response, however caused me to wake up. His response caused me to wake up to the fact that I have to be very careful what I say to this little guy because I don't know how he will interpret what I say. Right? Papa, if you don't put gas in mommy's car, is mommy going to be upset with you? 
Well, who would have thought that would go through his little mind? His response taught me or reminded me to wake up, to wake up, to be extra careful what I say to him. For several weeks now, I've been thinking about those words, wake up, wake up. It has occurred to me as I've, as I've been thinking about our revival services starting on Sunday, September the 30th at 11 a.m. and 6.30 and continuing through Monday, October the 1st, through Friday, October the 5th at 7 p.m., I've been thinking about how revival, revival is a time to wake up. Yes. In fact, in the, in the 1730s and 1740s, there was a revival in Britain and the English colonies as well, and they called it the Great Awakening. How many of you have sometimes read about the Great Awakening? Anybody put your hand up? Yes, all two of you, three of you. All right. <laughs> okay. It was, the Great Awakening was inspired by the preaching of Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. In, in terms of spelling, it's actually Whitefield, but I think normally he, his name was pronounced George Whitfield. So, my friends, as we prepare, as we prepare for our revival services, and you can see the information on the very front of your bulletin today, as we prepare for our revival services today and the next two Sundays, for these three Sundays, I want to invite you to focus on the theme of revival is a time to wake up, to wake up. And radio listeners... I want to invite you to our revival services at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene for our special series, Sunday, September 30th, 11 a.m. and 6.30, and Monday, October 1st through Friday, October the 5th at 7 p.m. Radio listeners, we invite you to join us, and many people outside of our church do join us for those special services. Well, in Revelation chapter 1, the last part, the last part of verse 5 I call it verse 5b, and verse 6 contain some powerful truth that you and I need to wake up to. We need to wake up to. And uh, here, is what, here is what those two verses say from the New International Version translation. Why don't we read them in unison from the big screen, okay? Together. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. My friends, I want you to think first of all with me on this marvelous truth. Revival is a time to wake up to how much God loves you and me. We need, to, we need to get a fresh glimpse of this truth. We need to just be truly touched and moved by this marvelous truth of how much God truly loves you and me. The, um, the, the last part of verse 5 says, To him 
who loves us. And the us, the us is, is you and you and you and you and, and you folks up in the balcony and you radio listeners. The us is each one of us. And in 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 reminds us, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And in John 3, 16, we are touched by the words, for God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? And look at Revelation 1, verse 5 again. It says, to him who loves us. To him who loves us. Loves is in the present tense. It's in the present tense reminding us that his love is continuous. It continues through the changes of time. He loved you yesterday. He loves you today. He'll love you tomorrow. God loves you in the good times of your life and in the difficult times. Sometimes when we go through some kind of a hardship or difficulty, sometimes some folks think, that, well, it must be because God doesn't love me or I did something wrong. We need to understand that God's love is consistent. God's love is, is continuous. He loves us, yes, even in the difficult times. This past week, this past week, has been emotionally very difficult for our immediate family, for the Stavropoulos family and the Staubaum family. Many of you know our son Jeremy. He grew up in our church and in fact was our children's pastor for about five years. He married a wonderful young lady named Kirby. They have a precious 18-month-old daughter named Everly Ruth. As, three, as some of you know, about three years ago, Jeremy and Kirby felt led by the Lord to go as volunteers to help start our new church in Ajax called Connect Church of the Nazarene. And the pastor of that church, by the way, is speaking here tonight at our 6.30 service, and we invite you. Two Sundays ago, two Sundays ago, and I happened, my wife and I happened to be at the church two Sundays ago when we were on vacation. Two Sundays ago, Jeremy and Kirby joyfully, joyfully announced to their congregation that Kirby was pregnant with their second child. The Connect Church family members were, of course, very joyful, and they applauded, and they rejoiced, and we rejoiced with them. I remember recently seeing, uh, I guess I saw it several times, their little 18-month-old daughter, my little granddaughter, she, uh, she went up to her mommy, she went up to her mommy and just, just rubbed her belly and, and said, baby, baby, baby. And of course, we, we enjoyed seeing her do that and we, we chuckled. And obviously, our whole Stavropoulos family was excited about our son and his wife having a second child. 
On Monday of this week, however, our joy turned into sorrow as our daughter-in-law Kirby shared with us the sad news that the three-and-a-half-month-old baby inside of her body had died. We don't know why. Kirby had not had any kind of a fall or trauma that might have injured the baby up until just last week. All the reports from her doctors were encouraging, were good. On Wednesday of this week, Kirby spent a full day in the hospital doing what needed to be done medically for the three-and-a-half-month-old little girl to exit her body. I saw, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of our little three-and-a-half-month-old preborn baby. I saw a picture that my son took as his wife held that precious little, little girl. And you know, it's amazing. It's amazing how you can see the baby's head and hands and feet and little fingers and the toes on the feet, even, even at three and a half months. It's just amazing how well-developed those little, little babies are, even at that stage. I told, you, I told you about Kirby's miscarriage to say that even, even when we experience deep sorrow, heartache, it does not mean, it does not mean God doesn't love us, all right? It does not mean that God doesn't love us. His love is strong and steadfast through the joys and the sorrows of your life and mine. Amen? I also told you about the miscarriage so, so that you could especially pray for Kirby and Jeremy in these days ahead. And there are others of you here who have also had miscarriages and you know exactly what they're feeling, the loss that they're feeling, and quite frankly, the loss, the loss that we as grandparents feel. Some of you grandparents know what I'm talking about. Amen? Well, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans 8, 38. He said, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 A famous theologian by the name of Karl Barth was asked, what is the most important truth you have ever discovered? And Dr. Barth said, quote, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Lord, we thank you for your love. 
We thank you, Lord. My friends, in our upcoming revival services, wake up, wake up to how much God loves you. I also encourage you today to allow the Lord to touch you with his love. Immerse yourself in his love. One particular songwriter who was overwhelmed by the Lord's love wrote these words. Songwriter says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Another songwriter expressed himself in the following way with the song, Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. How he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Wow. Wow. A second truth I invite you to focus on with me today is this. Secondly, revival is a time to wake up to the freedom you and I can enjoy. To the freedom you and I can enjoy. Pastor Lucas and the worship team led us in a beautiful song just before this message, a song that spoke and speaks of, of, of what I'm just about to get into here. The next part of verse 5 in our Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, next part says, to him who loves us and has what? Has freed us from our sins by his blood. The Greek word translated freed in English is obviously past tense, and it is called a Greek Aorist, A-O-R-I-S-T. It, it is a tense which refers to a specific past moment in time. It is referring to that specific time in history when Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. And Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 says... You, Jesus, you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Why don't you read that verse with me from the big screen? Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Read it together in unison. You, Jesus, were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And Romans 6.18 tells us, you have been set free. You have been set free from sin. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 instructs us, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You and I were bought at a price. I mention the following for the benefit of those of you who are familiar with the hymn, Washed 
in the blood of the Lamb. It is probable that the hymn writer picked up the idea for the hymn, Washed in the Blood of the Lamb. The hymn writer probably picked it up from Revelation 1.5 because although the New International Version uh, reads, has freed us, has freed us from our sins, the King James Version translated from the Greek and Hebrew back in 1611, the King James Version says, unto him that loved us, and washed us, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that's probably where the, the, the hymn comes from that talks about being washed in the blood of the Lamb. All right, let's continue here. Why? Why is it so important that Jesus has freed us from our sins? Why is it so important? It's important for at least two reasons. The first, the first is this. Jesus has freed us from the penalty of our sins. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And that is referring to eternal death in hell. That is the penalty. However, Christ has freed us from the penalty of our sins, and that same Bible verse goes on to say this. That same Bible verse goes on to say, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Instead of hell, we are promised heaven. That's the good news. That's the good news. Now, not only has Jesus freed us from the penalty of, of, of our sins, but, but as well, secondly, Jesus has freed us from the power of sin. Now stick with me, and you're going to get this, I believe. He has freed us from the power of sin. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be your master. For sin shall not be your master. In other words, sin does not have to control your life or my life. It doesn't have to control us. Romans 6.18 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. John 8, Gospel of John 8, verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 6.22 encourages us as it says, But now, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. My friends, Jesus makes it possible for you and me to have power, power over sin. You and I don't have to say, well, I can't help. I can't help but do wrong constantly. We don't have to say, oh, I can't help but, but sin con continually. After all, I'm just human. God says we can be free from the power of sin. And in the church of the Nazarene, we call that holiness. That's a major aspect of holiness, 
to have freedom from the power of sin. Amen? Are you experiencing, my friends, are you experiencing your freedom and victory from the power of sin? Perhaps, perhaps you need freedom. Perhaps you need freedom from lying lips. Lying lips or gossiping lips. Or maybe someone needs freedom from a constant desire to steal. To steal for all kinds of reasons. Maybe someone needs freedom from a heart of hatred. A heart of hatred. Or someone else maybe needs freedom from jealousy or fits of rage or selfishness or envy. Or possibly someone else needs freedom, freedom from tobacco use or alcohol or drug abuse. It could be that someone else needs freedom from sexual immorality or from other various temptations that come along your way for whatever reasons. The Lord says, Romans 6.22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. Amen? A man named Hel Haldor Lillinus wrote the words to a song that we sometimes sing here called Glorious Freedom. And I wonder, I wonder if he wrote those words as a kind of testimony or celebration of what he personally experienced. Here, here are a couple of verses in, in that hymn. See, see what you think. See what you think. He, he says, in glorious freedom, he says, freedom from all the carnal affections, freedom from envy, hatred, and strife, freedom from vain and worldly ambitions, freedom from all that saddened my life. Then the verse or chorus Glorious freedom, wonderful freedom, no more in chains of sin I repine. Jesus, the glorious emancipator, now and forever, he shall be mine. And then another verse says, freedom from pride and all sinful follies, freedom from love, from love and glitter of gold, freedom from evil temper and anger, glorious freedom, rapture untold. Amen. Revived people are enjoying this kind of freedom. Revived people are saying, Lord, thank you for the freedom from the penalty and the power of sin. Beloved, I say to you today, revival is a time to wake up to the freedom you and I can enjoy. So here we are. These two beautiful truths. Let's just have them on the screen. Revival is a time to wake up. Wake up. 
to how much God loves you and me. And secondly, wake up to the freedom you and I can enjoy. As we pray towards our revival services, as we look ahead to these exciting weeks ahead, may you and I, may you and I say, Lord, more and more, I want to wake up to your love and to the freedom you make possible. And in the next two Sundays, we're going to discover further other aspects in which you and I need to wake up and give God all the praise and the glory because of what he is able to accomplish in our lives. Revival is a time to what? To wake up. Let's pray. Dear Lord, in these weeks ahead, this is our desire to truly wake up more and more. Wake up to the truths that touch our hearts from these couple verses here and from many other parts of your Bible. We want to wake up in a fresh way, in a new way. And so, Lord, we... We place our lives into your hands and pray that in these weeks ahead and as we come to our revival services with Reverend Junior Serzano, we ask, O oh God, for the work of your Holy Spirit to wake each of us up in old ways and in new ways, in ways that we need to hear from you and by your Spirit, May you say to us, wake up, wake up, wake up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.